Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are continuing on in our sermon series called Reflect. And all throughout the series, we're going to be talking about what we as followers of Jesus need to do to do a better job of reflecting Jesus in and through our lives. And you know, one of the ways that we don't do such a good job of reflecting Jesus in our lives is when we play favorites. And whether we want to admit it or not, the church has a long history of playing favorites. There just seem to be certain types of people or labels or groups or whatever that members of churches always seem to prefer while there are other folks that the church doesn't want to have anything to do with. But in today's sermon, we're going to be reminded that there was no one who was not welcomed, accepted, and loved by Jesus. So if we want to reflect Jesus in and through our lives, then we need to reflect the love that Jesus has for us all. Let's get right into this episode sermon, and we'll dig deeper into all of this. So last Sunday here at Melbourne Heights, we started into a new series of sermons that we're calling Reflect. And all throughout the series, we're going to be thinking about what we can do, what you can do, to do a better job of reflecting Jesus in and through your life. And we're talking about this because the only way that others will find Jesus is if they see Jesus in you. The only way that other people will ever find Jesus is if they see Jesus in you. But before we start digging deeper and talking more about what we can do today that can help you do a better job of reflecting Jesus in your life, there's a question that I want to ask you first. And here's that question for you. When was the last time you visited a new church? When was the last time that you visited a new church? Now, let me clarify so you understand exactly what I'm asking here. I'm not asking you when the last time was that you went with your kids to the church that they attend now that they've grown up and moved away from home. And I'm not asking you when the last time was that you went back and visited the church that you grew up in when they were celebrating a special anniversary or another milestone. I'm not even asking when the last time was that you went to a mega church like Life Church or Saddleback or Southeast here in Louisville. You know, a church that you already knew at least a little something about before you ever visited. I want to know when was the last time you really visited a new church? When was the last time that you walked through the doors of a church without having any idea what was waiting for you on the other side of those doors? Is that something that's easy for you to remember? Or has it been a while since the last time you visited a new church? Now, for some of us, it's been years since the last time we were in a new church. For some of us, it has been decades since the last time we visited a new church. For some of you, it has practically been a lifetime since the last time you visited a new church. And the longer it's been since the last time you experienced that, the harder it is for you to remember what it's like to be at a new church for the very first time. So I actually want to take a little bit of time today to try to help you remember what it's like to be in a new church for the first time, to know what that experience is like. And I want to do that because the first experience that a lot of people will ever have with Jesus is the experience they have the first time they walk through the doors of the church. So I want us to remember what that's like. And for just about everybody, the first time that you visit a new church, it feels at least a little bit strange. 
And I'm telling you that from firsthand experience, okay? Because over the course of my life, I've had the opportunity to visit dozens of different churches. So I have worshipped in Baptist churches and Methodist churches. I've been to Catholic churches and I've been to non-denominational churches. For one class that I took in seminary, I even had the opportunity to visit a Jewish synagogue and a Hindu temple. So I can tell you this beyond a shadow of a doubt. When you're out there visiting a, visiting churches, there are no two churches that are exactly the same. There are. There are no two churches that are exactly the same. So when you are visiting some churches, when you walk through their doors for the very first time, you're going to feel like you stepped onto the set of cheers because everybody there is going to know your name. But other churches, when you visit them for the very first time, you're going to feel like Tom Hanks' character in the movie Castaway. You're going to feel like you're on a deserted island when you're visiting those churches. So you better remember to bring along a volleyball if you want any company while you're there. Other churches, when you visit them for the first time, they're going to treat you like you have the plague simply because you're new there. But other churches will flock to you like a shark that smells blood in the water when you visit for the very first time. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of the different experiences that you can have when you visit a church for the very first time. In his book, I Became a Christian, but all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Vince Antonucci, who's an author and pastor, shares a story about the first time that he visited a church, any church, not too long after he became a Christian. Now, Vince was a college student in Buffalo, New York at the time, but he had actually become a Christian while he was visiting his dad down in Florida. So while he was there, he was given the name for a, a name and number for a pastor at a local church in Buffalo for him to get in contact with once he got back into town. And this is what happened from there. This Vince tells the story. He says, I just sat there staring at my phone. Because to be perfectly honest with you, I was kind of weirded out about the idea of going to church for the first time. So I was really nervous. So my fingers trembled every time I started to dial the church's phone number. So I just had to start and stop about four different times before the phone finally started to ring. And then it was answered by a pleasant voice on the other end of the line. And I asked her if I could talk with the pastor. Well, she told me that the pastor wasn't in at the moment. No, I said, feeling disappointed. Well, what's the matter, she asked. Well, I'm supposed to come to church on Sunday, I replied. Well, the pastor will be here on Sunday, she said. You can just come and you can meet him then. But how will I get into your church? How will you get in? She seems confused. Yes, how will I get into the church, I asked again. Do you mean how will you get here? Because I can give you directions if that's what you need. No, I mean, how will I get into the church? How will you get in, she echoed. At this point, I'm starting to get really frustrated, as you might be able to imagine. So I said again, yes, how will I get into your church? I don't have an invitation. I haven't filled out any registration forms or really done anything. So how will I get in? Silence on the phone line. Eventually, she spoke up again and said, well, you just show up and walk in. Just show up and walk in? That didn't sound right to me because it's not like you could just show up on a college campus and walk into a classroom and get to participate in the course. And it's not like you could be a Cub Scout without taking that three-finger pledge. So just showing up and walking in made no sense. So I took a deep breath. 
and I resolved to speak clearly and gently. Again, I said, so what you're telling me is that on Sunday morning, I can get in my car, I can drive to your church, I can get out of the car, walk up to the doors, and just walk in? That's what I just said. Yeah, just show up and walk in. But that's the strangest thing I have ever heard. She responded, and you, sir, are the strangest person I have ever talked to. Well, in spite of this conversation, Vince Antonucci goes on to say, when Sunday morning rolled around, I got in the car, drove to their church, I took a deep breath, and then I just walked in. But when I walked into that church, it felt like I walked through a portal into a completely different world. There were just so many things that were unfamiliar to me. While I was in church that day, I heard words like propitiation and puppet ministry and potluck supper used for the very first time. During the service, I was asked to stand for fellowship and to kneel for prayer, and they expected me to sit on this really hard wooden bench that they called a pew for some reason. That morning, I saw more polyester than I had seen in my entire life leading up to that moment. But on the plus side, I got to participate in church snack time, which consists of these little bitty crackers and these shot glasses that are filled with grape juice. But when a guy stood up at the beginning of the service and told us that we were going to be singing hymns number 25, 17, 19, and 63, I have to admit, I almost shouted about video. That's a pretty good story that Vince Antonucci shares, but it does a great job of illustrating just how strange it can feel when you visit a church for the very first time. But we don't have to stop with Vince's story either, because there are a lot of things that we do in church every single week that are a little bit strange. I mean, just stop and think about it for a second. When was the last time that you were out in public and somebody asked you to sing along to one of their favorite songs? I mean, maybe it happened the last time that you went to a ball game and they were singing the national anthem or saying, take me out to the ball game during the seventh inning stretch. Or maybe it's happened if you've ever gone to a karaoke bar or something along those lines. But that's about it. Or when was the last time that you got dressed up so that you could go and sit in a crowd someplace? Maybe you had to get dressed up the last time that you went to a wedding. We do this every week when we come to church. What about this? I know we haven't done this since the pandemic started, but when was the last time that you were out someplace and the person passed a bucket that was filled with money right in front of your face? And not only did they expect that you weren't going to reach into that bucket and take out any money for yourself, they also expected you to reach into your pocket and pull out some of your own money to put in that bucket, too. When you stop and you think about it for a minute, it's just strange. There's a lot of strange things that we do in church all the time. But it's not just the strange things that we do in church that can keep people from experiencing Jesus the first time that they walk through the doors of our church. Now, I have to admit that a little bit later on this week, I'm going to be celebrating my 15th anniversary of becoming a pastor. So it's been a while since the last time I was regularly visiting churches. Matter of fact, the last time that I was regularly visiting churches was right after I had graduated college. But even though it's been a while since the last time I was regularly visiting churches, I still remember what it felt like, what that experience was like for me those years ago. I remember 
what it felt like whenever I pulled my car into a new church's parking lot for the very first time. And even as I was still trying to find a parking space, I can tell you that it felt like everybody that was at that church had either reached down into their pockets or into their purses and they had pulled out some sort of imaginary scorecard. And they were watching me as soon as they saw an unfamiliar car pull into their lot. And I could almost hear the conversations that they were having in their minds. They were thinking, oh, is that new car that just pulled into the parking lot? Oh, but it looks like it's at least a decade old. And does he have scratches on his front bumper? Sure hope that guy doesn't park next to me. And wait a minute, is his car missing a side view mirror? We're going to have Martin now's points for that one. But then I would get parked, and I would start climbing out, and those conversations would continue, and would be thinking things like, oh, but at least he has on a nice iron shirt today, and it looks like he may have even freshly shaved his face. I didn't grow beard yet. And, oh, wait, wait, oh, is he putting on a sports coat? Oh, if he would have just had on a tie, I could have given him perfect marks for his appearance this morning. But wait a minute, nobody else is getting out of the car with him. But that means that this guy's single. And if he's single, he's going to expect that we have some sort of single of adult ministry at the church. Well, that's going to cost him big time. And then I would walk into the doors of the church, and I'd have a chance to talk with a few people while I was there. And they would find out that I recently graduated college with a degree in religion, and that I was currently in seminary studying to become a minister. And at that moment, it was like the heavens had opened up, and the angels started to sing the hallelujah chorus. Just the fact that I was studying to be a minister seemed to make me qualified to be welcomed into any church that I visited. So I put it as simply as I can for you. Every time that I went to visit a new church, I felt like I was getting judged by everybody that was there. And I am far from the first person who has felt like they are being judged by the church. As a matter of fact, people have felt like the church plays favorites for about as long as the church has existed. People have felt like the church plays favorites for about as long as the church has existed. And I can show you what I mean if you've got a Bible close by and you want to grab it and turn with me to James chapter 2. Now, all throughout this series, we're going to be taking a deeper and closer look at the book of James to see what this book can teach us about how we can do a better job of reflecting Jesus in and through our lives. So as you're finding James chapter 2, let me tell you a little bit more about this book. And the book of James is found in the New Testament. Like about two-thirds of the book that we find inside of the New Testament, the book of James is a letter. Now, most of the letters in the New Testament, they are written to a specific church that is a, and they're addressing a specific problem. But that's not the case for the book of James. The book of James isn't written to a specific people. It's not written to a specific church. It is not addressing a specific problem at all. Instead, the book of James, unsurprisingly, is written by a guy named James. But this James isn't just any old James. According to church tradition, this James is James, the half-brother of Jesus, who is also a prominent leader in the early church. And as James' life is drawing near an end, he writes this letter because he wants to share words of wisdom with followers of Jesus all over the world. And in James chapter 2, he's going to share us some words, share with us words of wisdom about playing favorites. So let's take a look at James chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Here's what James writes. 
He writes, My brothers and sisters, when you show favoritism, you deny the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has been resurrected in glory. Imagine two people coming into your meeting. One has a gold ring and fine clothes, while the other is poor and dressed in filthy rags. Then suppose that you were to take special note of the one who is wearing the fine clothes, saying, well, here's an excellent place for you. Why don't you sit here? But to the poor person, you say, stand over there. Here you can sit at their feet. Wouldn't you have shown favoritism among yourselves and become evil-minded judges? My brothers and sisters, listen. Hasn't God chosen those who are poor by worldly standards to be rich in terms of faith? Hasn't God chosen the poor as heirs to the kingdom he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Don't the wealthy make life difficult for you? Aren't they the ones who drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who insult the good name spoken over you at your baptism? You do well when you really fulfill the royal law found in Scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. But when you show favoritism, you are committing a sin. And by that same law, you are exposed as a lawbreaker. So in this passage, James is clearly telling us as followers of Jesus that we shouldn't play favorites. We shouldn't play favorites. But that's not all that James is making clear. Not all that James is trying to show us in this passage. Remember what we're talking about at Melbourne Heights right now. We're talking about what we can do to do a better job of reflecting Jesus in our lives and through our lives so that we can shine Jesus' light into the world. Well, that's really what the book of James is all about. James wants followers of Jesus all over the world to do the best job they possibly can reflecting Jesus into the world. So in the passage that we just read, James is trying to tell us what it looks like for us to be a reflection of Jesus. So James points out to us that Jesus did not play favorites. Jesus did not show favorites. When you look at Jesus' life, you'll see that Jesus is willing to talk with religious leaders. But Jesus is also willing to spend a lot of time with people who would never set foot inside the church. Jesus ministers to government officials. And Jesus actually calls someone who is an anarchist, someone who wants to overthrow the government, to be one of his followers. Jesus sits down and he eats with tax collectors. He is anointed by a prostitute. Jesus lays his hands on people with leprosy. And Jesus heals the blind. Jesus doesn't play favorites. So for Jesus, it doesn't matter if you are rich or if you're poor. To Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're male or if you're female. For Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're old or if you're young. For Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're powerful or if you're oppressed. For Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're a Roman citizen or if you're Jewish. For Jesus, none of these labels that people have matter. And that's because there was no one who was not welcomed by Jesus. There was no one who was not welcomed by Jesus. So this is part of what it means for us to be a reflection of Jesus. If we are going to reflect Jesus, then we cannot play favorites. If we are going to reflect Jesus, then we can't do what James talked about in this passage we just read, where we show favoritism to somebody who is dressed well or wearing fine jewelry while we treat somebody who is 
dressed in filthy rags, completely different. If we are going to reflect Jesus, then we have to see the worth of every person. If we are going to reflect Jesus, then we have to see the worth of every person. Because when you can see the worth, when you can see the value of every person, then you are willing to love them the same way that Jesus loves you. When you see the worth of every person, it's going to make you willing to pick up a hammer and go and work with Habitat for Humanity to help put a roof over the head of somebody who's in need. When you see the value, when you see the worth of every person, it's going to make you more willing to go and volunteer in a food pantry to help a single mom make sure that she can put food on her table for herself and for her kids. When you see the value and you see the worth of every person, it's going to help you realize that we as Christians need to put away our picketing signs so that we can pick up those very people that we as Christians have been tearing down for far too long. When you see the value and the worth of every person, means that when you see someone new come through the doors of your church for the first time, you're going to make them feel like you didn't just pull out an invisible scorecard to assess them. Instead, you're going to invite them to sit with you and not just sit awkwardly beside you in a worship service, but sit beside you so you can start talking, getting to know each other, and building a relationship together. When you see the worth of every person, then you're willing to do what James told us back in verse 8 in the passage we just read. When he said, you do well when you really fulfill the royal law found in Scripture, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's what Jesus is all about. Jesus shows us how much he loves every single person. When Jesus enters into our world and lays down his life for all of us, when Jesus lays down his life for you so that nothing, can stand between you and God. So if we are going to be a reflection of Jesus, then we have to love everyone the same way that Jesus loves us. So here's my challenge for you. This week, <coughs> this week, when you are, whenever you see your reflection, when you see your reflection, when you look in the mirror, when you're fixing your hair in the mornings, or when you're brushing your teeth at night, or when you catch a glance at yourself in the rearview mirror of your car when you're out of driving, I want you to think about this question. I want you to stop and think, what type of Jesus you're reflecting in this world? Are you reflecting the type of Jesus that we've been talking about today? The kind of Jesus that loves and welcomes us all? Are you reflecting a Jesus place families? Are you reflecting a Jesus that only cares about some people? Are you reflecting a Jesus that loves all people? Because it's like I said at the beginning of the service, the only way that others will see Jesus is if they see Jesus in you. The only way that other people will find Jesus is if they see Jesus in you. So what kind of Jesus are you reflecting? Reflecting a Jesus that plays favorites? Or are you reflecting a Jesus that loves and cares about every one of us? Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this time of prayer, it's hard to admit 
that we don't always do a very good job of reflecting Jesus in our lives. Because the simple truth is that, yeah, more often than not, we do play favorites. More often than not, we treat some people like they are completely worthy of your love and acceptance, God, while we treat other people like you want absolutely nothing to do with them at all. But God, could not be farther from the truth. God, you are a God that loves us all. You are a God that accepts us all. You are a God that welcomes us all and cares for us all. So God, challenge us as your people to feel the same way about others that you feel about us. Help us to be a better reflection of who Jesus is. A Jesus who welcomes us all. A Jesus who loves us all. A Jesus who doesn't play faith. Pray it all in his name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has challenged you to really think about the kind of Jesus that you're reflecting in your life. Are you reflecting a Jesus who plays favorites? Are you reflecting a Jesus who only cares about some people? Or are you reflecting the real Jesus? Are you reflecting the Jesus that was willing to meet with religious leaders, but he also spent time with folks who would never set foot in church? Are you reflecting a Jesus that hung out with government officials and ministered to them, but also called an anarchist to be one of his followers? Are you reflecting a Jesus that ate with tax collectors, was anointed by a prostitute, laid his hands on leopards, healed the blind? Are you reflecting a Jesus that does not care about labels? A Jesus who truly loves and cares about us all? Because that's who Jesus really is. That's the Jesus that we need to be reflecting. Well, in our next episode, we're going to continue to talk about what we can do to do a better job of reflecting Jesus in and through our lives. So hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops next Tuesday morning. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And don't forget, you don't have to wait for next Tuesday to roll around to worship with us. We would love to have you come and worship with us online every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time at mhbclouisville.com. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys have a great week. I'll be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.